0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States. June 15th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Lore Network at thegorillaposition.com. <laughs> Presented by Homi Media, <laughs> and in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking some AEW, NXT, MLW, wrestle Circus, and a whole lot more. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans, for the fans bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the man, the myth, the legend, the Raptors to my blues. Well, that's right. We're both champions. The real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show
1: it's me it's me it's that honor defeated me Brick Vickery back again up north northern Ohio sitting on beautiful Lake Erie on just a, you know, crest alongside Lake Erie watching the boats go up and down on this rainy afternoon but hey I got beautiful views and we are back in on the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast what more could you ask for
0: you know actually I, I take it back we should probably recut that open because obviously I would be the Raptors and you would be the Blues because they don't even let you in Canada
1: uh, I was going to say, I won't be at the championship parade because I'm not allowed in. Uh, I guess they can make an exception. Maybe they can just, like, airlift me in the top area. Uh, but I know they're not going to let me head right across this border here. Congratulations to both the Raptors. Well, and, and, I, and, I can't, and I really can't believe that you, uh, compared, that you just put yourself in with St. Louis.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel dirty. I'm gonna have to take a shower after the show. Congratulations this to the, show.
1: This show is already in the pack.
0: Congratulations to the St. Louis Blues as well as the Toronto Raptors with a little asterisk next to their name. Of course, we'll be talking of all about the death of the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. dynasty Tuesday
1: at TwitchTV.com
0: or Twitch.tv.
1: Yeah, who is it?
0: Backslash hitting the marks. That's okay, Huckleberry. I'm just thrilled.
1: No, that's all right. Uh, just had uh, a Jaron from Harbor House Bar and Grill just making an appearance here on the show. Uh, I have a little marketing stuff here, so we'll get to him here in a minute. But hey, man, uh, I you know I'm literally looking forward to, I mean, the championships, that are behind us. I know we're going to touch a little bit, probably on both of those again, uh, coming up on hashtag HTM Sports. But for me, the drama really is about to begin. I think it's going to get fun and exciting as we look towards the NBA's free agency, the draft, and just overall offseason. Uh, potential movers and shakers there but i guess a little spoiler alert it looks like the Golden state is going to offer uh durant and clay uh max deals and clay's father has already come out publicly and said that he guarantees that his son is staying staying in the golden city
0: yeah um kevin durant's father not saying the same thing nor is his mother but, uh, but we'll see what happens. I still keep hearing that he's going to end up a New York Knick, and I just, I just for the life of me, I cannot understand why in the world somebody would want to do that to themselves. It's kind of like Monday Night Raw and Tuesday Night SmackDown. I'm not sure why anybody would want to go through that and do that to themselves, but, you know, it is the Pro Wrestling Podcast, so here's your Monday Night Raw review. Nope, didn't watch that shit. How about Tuesday Night SmackDown? Nope, didn't watch that one either. Huckleberry, you know, I've really gotten into this routine. I'm not watching Monday Night Raw. I'm not watching Tuesday Night Smackdown. I read through the results, and it seems to me that the red and the blue are all about puppets and R-Truth at this point. That's the only thing of any kind of interest, is the Firefly Funhouse and and R-Truth being stuck in a crate. What? You know
1: what? I... I... I guess we could tell a little secret. You you've kind of alluded to it before. You haven't actually watched since WrestleMania, have you?
0: No, I haven't I have I I've seen some segments. But I haven't sat down and watched a full Monday Night Raw or Tuesday SmackDown because, well, number one, there was all the superstar shakeup stuff, which made absolutely no sense. Then we throw it in the wild card rule. Didn't necessarily care about that. But in, more importantly, in the meantime, we were building the Blood Money 3, which I already knew I wasn't going to watch. And now we have Stomping Grounds like next weekend. Like this is a, a two week pay per view build. You know, I'm, I'm guessing maybe. SummerSlam build. Maybe they'll do something that'll hook me into actually watching a show. Maybe.
1: Well, I, you know, i have stuck with them there. You know, I, I've been watching weekly, uh, even if it is background noise at times. But I, I've even I have to confess you know this week, uh, not not one moment of of Raw or SmackDown did, did I consume. Nothing. There's nothing going on right now that seems better than anything else I can find to do in life. Absolutely nothing. Uh, and this really is this is a bottom out period for for their programming, something that, you know, that they, you know, not just that that they're continuing to lose viewers like us each week. But, you know, as someone that's been so dedicated as myself, you know, week after week here to so just finally now I'm at the breaking point. Hey, and beyond that, you know, we we rely on their programming so that we have items for our program or think about, you know, so many of the other shows out there that are so centered around what, you know, what that, you know, the monster, the conglomerate of WWE is doing that is centered around everything they have going on, how it's hurting their shows, thankfully. Thankfully, I mean, we've got a hell of a run here today and very little has to do with anything that they're doing it on
0: television. There is so much good wrestling going on inside of the world. And I've actually, uh, this vice TV with their dark side of the ring, it actually turned me on to another series of documentaries that they did at roughly the same time that is called the wrestlers. And I had asked you last night how you felt about deathmatch wrestling, because I've actually seen a couple of the wrestler documentaries now on death matches, which I am not a fan of, but it's fascinating watching Pete, these people who do deathmatch wrestling try to explain the psychology as to why they do the things that they do to somebody like me who just, I don't get it. Even watching this documentary, man, there's stuff in that thing that's just making me squirmish. Like, why would you climb up on a scaffold and go 20 feet? Through a plate glass window that's being held up by four chairs to a concrete floor. Like, I don't care how much one human being enjoys pain. Why would you do that?
1: Well, you know, outside of the individuals that are actually, you know, inflicting that pain upon themselves, you kind of have to question the mentality of the individuals that overly enjoy, you know, that cheer and rave for such activity. But, you know, I do understand it, it, it does. I don't get it. I'm not a major fan of it, but it, it does have a spot in the variety show that's professional wrestling. I mean, there is, you know, that market for it that, that does enjoy it. You know, over at Battle on the Border Pro Wrestling, we've got two, you know, hardcore style, the, the extremist, Uh They just went out of their last show. They're involved in a little head-to-head rivalry right now. So William Wolf and, and Hooks uh, each and every time out. I mean, it is an absolute bloodbath, and and it gets one of the, you know, the the larger reactions on our shows. The last match they had was a tattoo machine on a pole match. Oh my God. Where to win the match, you have to retrieve retrieve the tattoo machine, uh, and then following the show, the loser got got inked.
0: Oh my gosh. That sounds like such an awful,
1: awful idea. I uh, Well, wh- it, it plays in because one of them, Wolf, he actually is a, a tattoo artist, and they've kind of played that into the storyline. Okay, that helps because, you know, if I was like, if it I was wasn't just you, like, out of, it just wasn't like out of nowhere, we're just going to tat each other up. Like, I,
0: I have no artistic ability at all. If I was giving somebody a tattoo, it would be like the ugliest looking stick man that you've ever seen in your life. Um, we are running a little bit late this week. That's because I am right in the middle of doing 12 days straight of third shift and uh, I'm really, really tired. But last night at work, there's not a whole lot going on on the overnight on the weekends. So last night I started going down this freaking ramp rabbit hole, man. And I'm watching like deathmatch documentaries. And then somehow I ended up watching like a bunch of Terry Funk stuff from Japan in like the FMW days. And there's like the ring is in a moat and it's surrounded by water and there's explosives everywhere with barbed wire ropes. And it's just absolutely fascinating that entire culture, especially, you know, as a wrestling fan, I just I don't get it. Like this is a form of wrestling that I, just, I I enjoy. Lucha. I can enjoy British. I can enjoy Japanese wrestling. I can enjoy just about everything that's not midget wrestling because I'm terrified of midgets. That's a whole nother story. But you know, like this whole deathmatch culture just
1: blows my mind. I don't understand it whatsoever. And oh, I, you would you would have loved our last show, man. You know, we've got the uh, the hardcore tattoo machine on a pole match and then we had we had the midgets in action you would absolutely absolutely love the last show that we had
0: short fat square heads uh talking about other things that i can't stand let's uh let's move on to uh the ultimate warrior and uh by association dana warrior uh rick dana warrior has found herself in the news this week and i i think she's kind of found herself in the news twice and you may have found a very very interesting correlation between this two which is why i bring it up uh number one dana warrior takes to Twitter and she's got on the uh, now deceased uh, husband of hers makeup, the ultimate warrior, the the makeup that we're all so familiar with from when we were kids. And she goes on in Twitter and she says, I stand in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community and honor you with hashtag pride this month. I believe in equality, education, awareness, and this simple fact, love wins. Always now, I can't you know read that quote from Dana Warrior without reading one from her uh, former husband. Uh, this one comes to us from the Ultimate Warrior. Queering doesn't make the world work. Uh, Rick, the Ultimate Warrior was very very outspoken against the LGBTQ plus population, and now Dana Warrior is kind of invoking his image to help portray this image of her that I just, I can't help but believe is a facade because the ultimate warrior was a terrible human being. It's well-documented all the things that he has said about the LGBTQ population, what he said about Bobby Heenan the way he feels about people of different religions. This is it's revisionist history. And that just drives me absolutely insane.
1: And you know, this entire thing could have been avoided. Uh, you know, at first, you know, I want to say we can appreciate the sentiment behind her message. You know, she is trying, you know, during Pride Month, they're trying to reach out, you know, that, to separate her beliefs from, you know, potentially her husband's. You know, even though they were married for so long, we can make those correlations that they have to be in agreement on some things. But not all couples are going to see eye to eye on everything. Uh, you know, maybe that was one of the things that she found fault in him with and tried to help him correct through his life. But with all that said, uh, great. The sentiment is amazing. Do not directly link yourself to the image that once represented and portrayed so much bigotry, especially towards a specific group like that.
0: And I keep hearing this narrative, well, you know, she can't be responsible for the words that her husband said. And while I understand that, I can assure you. If my partner was going around and making the statements that the ultimate warrior did, that person would not be my partner anymore. Like it it takes a very, very special kind of person to stand by somebody like the ultimate warrior. But, you know, like she says, love wins always. I just I don't buy it, man. I don't buy it at all. It, it, It seems so, so artificial, just like everything else about Dana warrior comes across to me as artificial.
1: What really is getting me here is is not so much going at at Dana Warrior is the fans that don't understand why, why some individuals are so upset about this. I mean this I mean this just is an really equivalent like if, if I would go to temple and I'm going to you know speak on behalf of you know some kind of you know Jewish uh, community event or holiday or something like that and I'm dressed as a Nazi.
0: Well, that's really the comparison that comes to mind for me, too. Like, this would be Germany coming out and speaking out on behalf of Israel. Like, there are are certain people, I don't need to hear your opinion on this. You want to support it? That's great. Go over there and support it. We don't want you at the forefront of this movement as one of the spokespeople for it,
1: knowing that your husband has made all of these asinine statements. It, you know, this is another situation of as you're talking, as you just mentioned, where everything seems so manufactured with her, you know, that it has some kind of, you know, some ultimate purpose, no pun, if you will, uh, ultimate purpose behind it to try to draw attention towards, you know, whatever efforts or... You know, it, he, she she's perfectly aware of what people know about her husband. It's well documented. It is public knowledge. So now he's right. She's trying to rewrite that history, and she's hoping that there is a new group out there that is unaware. And, and there seems to be quite a few individuals out there, as I've seen this thread all over the internet, be Twitter, you know, so many Facebook groups, uh, anywhere, Instagram. you you're getting you know every time you're getting a, a dozen or so people that are unaware of that history. So now they're going to believe in, okay, great. You know, she's she's a warrior. She's representing. That, that's not the case. It's, a, it's very misleading. Well, it's like we there, were talking the other day. Well, they're, it's a case of, I mean, why do you need to go out there with this? Why do you need to seek the attention? If you want to make up for it, if you truly want to make up for it and show that your family, uh, you know, maybe is seeking forgiveness or now that you are teaching your daughters a little bit differently than what they once learned from their father, keep it private keep it in house you don't have to go out there and show us how charitable and giving you are take care of your own business you know make peace with yourself instead of looking for acceptance from everybody else
0: yep absolutely and then the other story that came out regarding dana warrior over the course of this past week Yeah, Dana Warrior is working very, very closely, evidently, with Lacey Evans. And Rick, you kind of tied these two things together because we've been talking for a couple of weeks now. Actually, I've been talking about it since she was in NXT. This Lacey Evans thing is kind of turning into a flop. She's kind of being exposed on national TV at this point. She's went out. She had a bad match with Becky Lynch. She had a bad match with Charlotte Flair, and this week she goes out and she has an awful showing against Bailey. These are three of the best women in the company. If you can't go out there and have a TV quality match with these three, maybe the company is looking to pivot away a bit from Lacey Evans. If Dana Warrior is working so closely with Lacey Evans, is this how Dana Warrior gets booted off of the creative
1: team? I thought this was a very interesting correlation that you drew here. But yeah, to me, you know, I really questioned what was, as I was mentioning there, are, are you seeking attention? What is the motives? And, and I got to thinking, what's the, was she pushed in this direction by the company? Is this something PR came in and said, you know what, we want it, you know, and I'm sure they're presenting it like this. And it's ultimately, you know, a, a giant rib on her. They're presenting is we, we want to, you know. We want to put it in a positive light that, you know, especially with the Warrior Award and maybe who we're going to represent, you know, who we're going to honor with this thing going forward. We want to get you more involved, especially with this community we're trying to reach out to. And maybe the question came up, you know, well, what about, you know, linking this this history between this community and my husband? And you do that spin, you know, oh, we're going to we're going to rewrite it. We're going to put that all to bed. They're going to see the warrior brand and remember the name in a different light. And you're going to you're going to be the leader. You're going to guide the way. back in their mind. They're knowing, OK, we're going to get backlash on this. This trickle down. OK, Dana, that didn't go exactly as we thought it was going to be. We're going to pull everything back a little bit because you're linked to what's going on within the women's division. We've got a new assignment for you, a new direction. We're going to move you off to uh, you're going to, you know, we got some stuff here in the PR or in the charities department that you're going to be focused on now. Hashtag reassigned. They could. They could have. This could be a giant rib within the company uh, just to get her out of her position. And you talk about some. uh, That's some low ball. That's some low ball garbage there. Yeah.
0: But, you know, it doesn't even seem like a stretch. That's the screwed up part. I know. I mean, I absolutely could see them doing this. Absolutely could see that. I mean we we hear Ben hameen and Stevie Richards talk about it every Friday over in the locker room. This is a very, very vindictive company, and uh, if they want you gone, they will find a way to do it.
1: Well, it's, you know we've heard especially firsthand from Stevie, how many times he's you know he's either been been there right there, witness it or even experienced it personally. When you go there with something you know they're speaking out one side of their mouth and they're fucking you on the other end.
0: Yep. It's a very, very interesting uh, story to watch and see how long this Lacey Evans push lasts and uh, how much longer Dana Warrior is a part of the creative team. Are you ready to, to, to acknowledge that I was right? This Lacey Evans thing is just not going to work because, yeah, she might look great. Yeah, the character might be great. Oh, she looks great. Oh, that character's great. But you gotta be able to, to to at least go out and perform.
1: I'm going. I'm going down with the ship. Here's what we need to do: we need to hit a reset, get her out of this picture. I agreed with you all along. They, this was this was too much too soon. It, it, we should have had a nice slow build. She shouldn't even been looking at a serious uh, championship program for a year. She shouldn't Host- have been looking at the main roster for a year. Well, it this came down to one of those things. They're absolutely. They were absolutely desperate. Grasping for straws because, you know, with with the the first shakeup that we were promised as the calendar was flipping, we were promising that. And they brought up that group. And you got it. Yeah, mainly, she was brought up in that group because she was losing her spot in NXT. It was either shit or get off the pot. Yeah. And it was... And it, that was almost the case with everyone in that group that came up when they were running those cheesy collective packages that didn't benefit everyone, anyone because you're grouping them all together, almost like a discount, everything must go, promo. Uh, I mean, look at it, who, who do we really have here? Who's really succeeding that's actually getting attention? I'd, I'd argue that heavy machinery is the most successful so far. You know, outside of you know the dangerous push that you got with Lars, but how much of a train mess you know train wreck has that been? An absolute mess, disaster. EC three. 3 we we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And then Lacey, who has been given too much too soon, pushed to the moon. She's not ready for it. This falls squarely on creative and management. And they did her a huge disservice because they could have had something very special with that. You know, let her continue to adapt, especially that she doesn't have the, the performance center to practice in every day. Adapt on the road, get better and continue to use that persona uh, in, in different ways. I mean, they, they love these stupid talk show freaking segments that they run out there i mean you could have had uh lessons in a lady i mean they could have run those vignettes for a while then you could have had her work as a manager to somebody for a little bit before she transitioned to that in ring just so she could get more comfortable again complete failure drop the ball this is all on creative and management
0: and you know that one of the things that worries me is i see a lot of lacey evans in velveteen Dream. Um, and, And I say that in what I said about Lacey Evans when she was in NXT. Yeah, she can go out and she can have a fine match as long as her and her opponent can be in the performance center every day and rehearse it and plan the entire thing out. I feel the same way about Velveteen Dream. One of the things about Patrick Clark that I think is still evolving is he's a glorified spot monkey. But everything in between those spots... Can come off as kind of rough and every time that you think that dream is just starting to get it he takes to instagram and he just completely proves me wrong huckleberry i don't know if you saw this uh this uh post from Velveteen dream i'm gonna read it to you here most of you hate being wrong you must do what you have to do in order to do what you want to do life lesson case in point This series will show you talent who made what they were given work. Good and bad. Santina Morella made it work. Damian Sandow, stunt double, made it work. The Miz made it work, and he's still making everything given to him work. Chris Jericho literally made it work. Makes everything work. The Godfather, APA, The Rock, D-Lo made it work. My friend Eugene, be like Eugene, made it work. A wrestling clown, Doink, made it work. He's the boogeyman, and he's making it work, too. Goldust made it work. Unfortunately, you can't handle the truth. A Few Good Men, 1992. Having the machine behind you is a separate conversation. I am talking about playing your part to the best of your ability. Not holding out because you're not being booked the way that you want to. Let's talk about it. Everyone leaves WWE at some point, and if that's your point, then grab a new number, stand at the back of the line, and try again. Steve Austin started as the ringmaster. Bad gimmick. Steve Austin made it work, and he earned the trust. He earned the right to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Dwayne Johnson started as Rocky Maivia. Bad gimmick. That's debatable. Uh, Dwayne Johnson made it work, so he earned the trust and the right to be The Rock. Glenn Jacobs started out as Dr. Isaac Yankum. Bad gimmick. Glenn Jacobs made it work and he earned and trusted the right to be Kane. Dave Batista started out as Deacon Batista, bad gimmick. Dave Batista made it work and so he earned the trust and he earned the right to be the animal Batista. Paul started out as the blue blood Hunter Hearst Helmsley, bad gimmick, which I disagree with by the way. Paul Levesque made it work so he earned the right to be Triple H. Kayfabe is dead and furthermore an archaic concept. There's a lot more than you currently know that goes into pro wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you call it. Well, they're not the same thing, Patrick. And the world should be known because this isn't the carnival anymore. Name a TV show on network TV that you watch where the majority of actresses and actors get control of the script. Go! Sports entertainment, pro wrestling, it's like live theater performance broadcast on network television based on fictionalized sports and the grandiose personalities who take part in it. We are actors with no classical experience in acting. We are stuntmen who train for matches, fight scenes. WWE has always been honest about this. Sports entertainment. Huckleberry, I love Velveteen Dream, but this is so far off base and this is really what I've been making the case for. Sports entertainment and pro wrestling are not the same thing. What they really need is to hire a bunch of actors and teach them to wrestle.
1: Yeah, yeah. You talked about uh, was, it, was it here on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast? You talked about this term a lot. I don't even uh, either. Either one of you made a great point. It's it's going to be a hell of a lot easier, and it's, it's kind of hard pill for people to swallow. But when you when you do cut when you cut the cut it down in the middle, you have sports entertainment on one side, professional wrestling on the other. And when you're looking at sports entertainment, and as Dream has laid out in the second part of his statement, there, yeah. They are the, the mindset in WWE is exactly as he said. Uh, they they want to be a television show. They want to be Hollywood. They, they want to be, you know, a sitcom of uh, sorts, if you will. So that, that takes writers and producers and directors and actors. And it's a hell of a lot easier. Like you said, to take, you know, actors and teach them to wrestle than it is to take professional wrestlers and teach them how to act. That is, I mean, the proof is in the pudding as we see now with these long winded promos or uh, how, you know, the very weak characters that they're developing here, they, they simply cannot handle those. Uh, I, I do, uh, the, the overall statement, it, it really says two different things to me. I agree with what in the first part, what he has to say uh, about making it work. And, and to kind of take that to a, a broader range. You know, as as I've been mentioning here, everybody wants you know the quick fixes. Get rid of Vince McMahon. This is stupid. I would never do this. No, that's not the reality. In the real world, sometimes you are given something, like it or not. I mean, it's your dream to get to that level to work for. You know, any given company, no matter what field you're in, everyone has you know they want to aspire to be to a certain level, to work at a certain place, to have that kind of respect. When you get there, you're not always going to be given the absolute best to work with, but you have to take what is handed to you, take that ball and run with it. And very many of the names that he he listed there, they absolutely did that. They knew how, you know, in the mindset of professional wrestling, they knew how they have to become that persona. They have to become that being. You let it consume you. And that's how you get that thing over. But he's kind of talking out both sides of his mouth. All those individuals that he had mentioned, they did not come up, And they did not survive and thrive in the structure that we are seeing today. They had leniencies. I'm sure they had creative direction. They were, you know, they were being led and they had writers, but they were allowed to, you know, to let themselves shine through those personas. They were allowed to, you know, you know, sprinkle on their own little spices to make it extra nice. That's what managed to get them over. Now these comparisons, you know, he's pretty much, pretty much telling fans to get over themselves. You know, to wake up and treat us like we're a sitcom. Well, first of all, what's made professional wrestling so great and so different than regular sports or television since the, since its beginning is because it actually blurs those lines. It's like we were talking before we went on the here about investing in in superstars and caring about the individuals, and that's what that presented. When you blur that line between you know the fiction and the reality of it, that's what made professional wrestling so special. And we. And we said name any kind of show in comparison. Well, guess what? No one's lining up 52 weeks a year. You know, one of the, I guess first one that comes to mind, like Big Bang, they're not trying to fill uh, arenas of thousands of individuals to come watch that. No, the only comparison that's out there
0: is the best comparison. And it's Saturday Night Live. But, you know, even they are doing seasons, you know, they're not live 52 weeks a year. It's still seasons, but that's the closest comparison. And that's also the closest comparison for pro wrestling is Saturday Night Live in the respect that I, I think stand up comedy Is probably the closest thing to pro wrestling because those guys have characters that they spend years getting over that may or may not be representative of the actual people. The reality of this thing is Stone Cold Steve Austin never showed up to Monday Night Raw and had to meet with a writer who gave him a script that Vince McMahon left notes on that said Stone Cold Steve Austin needs to recite his promos verbatim like he did to Dean Ambrose. And now we're inside of this era where we just think, oh, well, that's the way that it's supposed to be. That's the way it's supposed to be. Well, that's what AEW is trying to change. It's not going to be these incredibly over scripted, yes, they're going to have writers. But I mean, even when you look back at the Attitude Era, there was Vincent Ferrara. That that was it. There was the two writers. They weren't writing everybody's promos. They're writing story arcs. They're well, writing what, storyboards where the thing is gonna go.
1: Not exactly every freaking word that they want Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock to say. Well, what you had back then, you would get your notes from from Vince's team. And obviously, you know, you also had they were traveling at the time with Shane and and Vince, the big, big Vince. So you had Russo, Ed shane and vince so at that time you're traveling you're constantly you're talking storylines you're talking programs constantly i mean it is your life it consumes you when you get to television or whenever you're doing some kind of tapings like that you have your producers uh so like uh, pritchard you know on his show regularly talking about when he would go out and produce these segments so the producers there to get you know to make sure the points that the writing team, the creative wants to, you know, to really stress to get across, those are being represented inside those promos or, you know, inside the segments you're working with. But it wasn't berate like, this is an actual script, I need you to recite this right here. I mean, you're not sitting there reading off cue cards or a teleprompter. That, that that wasn't happening. But, I mean, they were being produced and all that, but they still had freedom and leniency to, to let themselves and let that character shine through. And, and even it, it, in comparison, in Hollywood, I mean, that's the reason you have these stars. You have script approvals. If you get to a certain level, you're not going out there and just saying whatever the hell that they, that they want. I mean, if you want to add something in there, you will. And you usually see that's one, some of the better stuff in the movies where you let these, you know, these movie stars, these actors who are just kind of just letting the character, whatever role they're in, just embody them and take them over. That's when you, you get the
0: best results. One of my favorite movies is a movie called High Fidelity. It stars John Cusack. And uh, one of the the minor stars in the movie is this little-known actor at the time by the name of Jack Black. And I guess in the original script, Jack Black had like three lines in the entire movie. And then he got on the set and people just thought that he was hilarious. So he just started making stuff up on the fly. And he's got like a full three-dimensional character inside of the movie now. He's got like his own like subplots inside of the movie. And it was all basically a shoot because it's Jack Black improving. You hear Ben Hameen talk about it. Ha 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 mean. I'm telling you stand-up comedy is really the closest comparison. It's not Hollywood well, acting. And, it's stand-up comedy.
1: And, and, you know, that's, I mean, he was a lifelong fan. Uh, he had, you know, wrestling was, was within him. Uh, but, but Ben himself, I mean, he came from improv. Yep. And he realized, hey, man, I can make this work. I could take this in professional wrestling and take this to a whole never level if he talks about it regularly that they absolutely need. I mean, that should be one of the classes down there. and I, I you know, not that we know everything that happens at the performance center, but they do work on their promos and things like that. But they need to but those were coming from people like Dusty. The problem is they're working on promos, not reciting scripts. Well, and God bless his soul, you know, with Dusty, one of the best there was. But if you're going to go that route, you need to bring in actual improv teachers, professionals to handle that for you. And you know what it really comes down to here: dreams, dreams, fortunate. We've talked about this before. You know, he's going to get more attention. Lacey gets this benefit. They were given characters because they're homegrown.
0: In house. It's not
1: these. It's not these people coming in. They're going to invest more in these two, and they're two two of the few with actual personas, characters.
0: Yep, it's going to be interesting to see what the pro wrestling landscape looks like three to five years from now as contracts start expiring and the pro wrestlers go work at the pro wrestling companies and the sports entertainers work at the sports entertainment companies because I think you're going to see a bigger divide inside of the entire overall landscape that is professional wrestling. One guy that it sounds like is not going to be included in that is going to be John Cena. John Cena actually talking retirement when somebody asked him about The Undertaker and Goldberg. And Rick, it's just fascinating to me. We have talked about this before. Does anybody miss John Cena? Like, there's this desire for Undertaker. There's this desire for Goldberg. For some reason, unbeknownst to me, people still want to see Sting versus The Undertaker. It would be awful. It would be a terrible match in 2019. I'm with you, man. I understand it's going to draw a whole bunch of Saudi blood money. I I completely understand that aspect of it. But as far as people who genuinely want to see the match, you're insane. It's going to be, you thought Goldberg and Undertaker was bad. Sting, if he takes a wrong bump, he might be freaking paralyzed. But yet we have John Cena, who is like still 42. Two forty-three 43 years old and he's like yeah i'm thinking about walking away too and it's like dude nobody
1: misses john cena it's insane to me hold on let's let's keep this train rolling here on uh the latest episode of the conspiracy marks you answered your own question here he's driving his blood money value up retire so when they're going there in 2020 you know late 2020 uh, 2021 Guess what? Guess who's back? He's back from retirement, and he's coming to Saudi. It's John Cena. He, he's he's raising his value. His his oil stock is rising right now by retiring. Then he comes back in half a year, a year or two. He's a hot commodity in the in the desert, baby. It just it blows my mind. Like Brock
0: Lesnar still pops a rating for Monday Night Raw, but like we don't even talk about the possibility of like what if john cena just came back like
1: would would that even move a number anymore because it's it's so it's so fresh now if he officially retires and st- in, you know you know retirement and wrestling i mean does that even really exist unless you're well, i mean you're
0: going- he's hosting are you smarter than a fifth grader now i mean i i think that's pretty much semi-retirement right there
1: i, I did I, I saw that he was going to be picking that up there Yeah, I guess, uh, hey, I guess Foxworthy had to evolve, right? He had to move on. Hey, man, it's less bumps and Cena's still getting paid. I don't even blame the guy. Oh, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Make that transition. Get the hell out of it. But I was thinking about this. I actually was going to make a post about this over in the Hami Media Discussion Group on Facebook. I was looking through, you know, we regularly see, you know, oh, so-and-so hasn't been seen in so long. someone every now and then that'll pop up or there's a handful of stars out with injury right now. Even going back, like when Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn had those extended leaves because of their major injuries, when was the last time someone disappeared like that or was been on the shelf that a majority of fans were like clamoring for that they even missed? Well, and it's crazy. It's, it's because it's all cookie cutter. We don't have any true stars. But it's like it's insane
0: because like I not to keep going back to that Moxley interview, you know, but he talks about when he came back and, you know, the big pop and everything. Okay. So yeah, there was a desire for Moxley to come back when Seth Rollins came back at extreme rules. A few years ago, the the pop was absolutely deafening for Seth Rollins. People missed him. They wanted him to come back. I don't think that there's anybody, even those of you out there who are listening to me right now, who absolutely despise John Cena, the professional wrestler. I don't think anybody would doubt that John Cena in the grand landscape of the world is way more over than Seth Rollins, is way more over than Dean Ambrose. But we miss Rollins and Ambrose and nobody misses John Cena it's crazy. Like the pro wrestling community is like, thank you, John. Now be gone. We don't want you here anymore. And like mainstream America is embracing this guy. It's like, we should want John Cena to come back because John Cena should pull in viewers. But the pro wrestling fans like hate John
1: Cena so much, but the mainstream loves John Cena. It's insane. I, I don't, I don't want to say that that the fans hate John Cena on. It's, it's, it's pretty strong. I just think just because it's still so fresh and he was so dominant for so long that they're just, they're just become numb to the act.
0: I don't think it's, I don't think it's even John Cena. I think it's what John Cena represents because John Cena is PG. John Cena is the entire PG era personified, right?
1: Actually, yeah. He, he represents what is kind of perceived as, you know, the lowest point. Point that we have that we've seen in 30 years of professional wrestling yeah and he was the face of that run
0: if cody was you know he went to kill the attitude era he went after dustin rhodes if he was going to kill the pg era he would have to murder john cena hashtag murder john cena it's i don't think that one's copyrighted hashtag murder john cena maybe that's the the name of this week's episode hashtag murder john cena
1: oh god i'm not going to jail
0: hey if you want to murder john cena you know how you do that That's right, blood money. Get John Cena over there,
1: just have him do something wrong, and
0: there goes John Cena. Hey,
1: that that even further goes in here. Retirement driving up the value for blood money, and, and even more so, he's been for these other shows. He's been against it. I'm not going over that. I guarantee he changes his too when they come back and say, dude, we got six mil for you.
0: We'll bring it full circle. We have a a Saudi blood money death match with John Cena. Who would John Cena take on in the Saudi blood money death match?
1: Oh, God, that's a good one.
0: Let us know on Twitter, at HTMPWPod. Who do you want to see John Cena take on in the Saudi blood money death match? Let's talk about, uh, wow. And New Japan. Actually, we're talking more so about Access TV. Huckleberry, Wow, and New Japan are moving to Saturday nights on Access TV. I can't imagine why they would want to do that. Oh wait, because SmackDown's moving to Friday nights, um, which kind of brings up a much bigger question. As New Japan, some people are like, "Oh yeah, see, there go the Friday night wars." And it's like, dude, New Japan's not live. It's it's these shows are weeks old at this point. Do you make anything about this? To me, this just makes smart
1: business sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. To me, this is, I I could see both. I I could see both. Maybe if they could maybe structure their programming around, you know, what's going on with SmackDown, maybe if you could run one of it, like seven and then one at 10, or maybe run them like 10 and 11 because people, and the reason I'm saying that is you get people trained and it's just any, in any, Kind of marketing you deal with conditioning what people are used to, so if they're already tuning in, you know that they know Friday night's going to be a, a big wrestling night. We have got WWE on on live national television. We're kind of in that mindset. We're ready for wrestling. So you know why not? If I'm already sitting there for two hours watching that, I'm sure it's hell going to go watch a better product. Hang out, you know, later or tune in a little earlier, or even if you want to get you know take the gamble and run one against you know the nine to ten o'clock hour of SmackDown because. Believe me, I'm looking for something to flip regularly when I'm watching uh, WWE programming, and I would love to be able to flip over to a wrestling alternative. I I could see that. But then again, hey, let's not even deal with it. Let's try to just focus in, maintain our own viewership, hope that they'll follow us from Friday to Saturday. And I have have a a strong feeling that they're not so worried about first-time viewers, and this is probably before they had any competition from WWE they're living off of those DVR replays Absolutely. so it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you're really that invested in you know in watching these programs on first run you're going to follow it and otherwise it's just a matter of you know resetting the record time on your DVR
0: I do think this absolutely benefits WoW. I am looking very much forward to season two of WoW, and hopefully we'll be having some of the WoW superheroes once again coming into your ear holes here very, very soon. Um, Looking forward to that. But Rick, one of the things that kind of got me interested, as I was watching this week's uh, Road to Fighter Fest, uh, Brandy Rhodes was introducing The women's triple threat We'll talk about it a little bit later on We're talking about Yuka Sakazaki, Riho Versus Nyla Rose um, But she calls Nyla Rose A beast Which kind of you know brings my brain Immediately to WoW and, and the beast from WoW And that's one of those people that we have been Talking about ever since the first time We saw her up at StarCast And we were like How is this woman not on my television every week, whether it be WWE, NXT, whatever? She's caught absolute fire with wow. And I think she's one of the uh, superheroes that absolutely benefited the most from season one. Uh, It's a matter of time. Could we see a working relationship between wow and AEW? And would you like to see the beast inside of AEW?
1: Yeah, you know, I absolutely love the work that she's doing there with WoW. Hopefully all of that can continue. But if I can see more of her, I, you want to talk about an impressive specimen. You want to talk about an that, that individual where I'm always mentioning the awe factor. That looks like a megastar, million bucks, has everything you need in this business. We're talking about the Beast. Hey, more Beast, more Beast, more better.
0: I, I would love to see the Beast versus Nyla Rose. Make that match happen, AEW.
1: But, you know, as we talk, talk about, about the, only, the only place I would not. The only place I would not like to see the Beast is pissed off in a dark alley.
0: Yeah, that is absolutely for sure. Uh, But we talk about WoW and AEW possibly working together. Of course, we've talked a lot about New Japan and AEW and them not working together. They're not being an official relationship there. One of the things going on inside of the pro wrestling community these days is so-and-so's leaving WWE. AEW, here I come. Rick, how long until New Japan contracts start coming due? And, you know, we do have the Kenny Omega connection with AEW. He's got a lot of friends over in New Japan Pro Wrestling. We know their contracts are coming up January 1st. That's that's pretty much been the rotation. Yeah, of course, they're locking down guys like Okada. They're locking down guys like Will Ospreay. But what about that next tier of guys? Could you see anybody leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling?
1: And making their way to AEW, you know, when you asked me this the other day, I asked for a little bit of time to think about this. that would be a major blow to New Japan Wrestling, where they're at right now. I mean, we talk regularly about how how weak. I know, and I don't mean weak. And the individuals, I don't weak's not the right word. Let's say how light-handed. Uh, that main event scene is with, with their top stars. Their top stars are incredible. I, I'm not going to you know mention weak with them in, in any sense, uh, but it is very light. And, and that's why it kind of feels that we're getting repetitive there at the top because there's not so many individuals that are quite ready to kind of move in and challenge it. It, it. you know We had mentioned many times it felt a little forced with Switchblade, with Jay White, but it was more of a necessity. They, they needed someone to get in there and fill that role, especially after the exit of Kenny Omega. But it seemed like he was maybe elevated a bit too soon there. It would be a major blow to lose any of those those star players. I have a feeling uh, that, that New Japan would step in and match any kind of top dollar to keep those. Now, what I would love to see is some of the young guns coming over like on excursion.
0: Yeah, I do agree with that. Is there anybody on like that main event, like, like a John Moxley level? Inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, who's he's one of the guys in the mix of that main event scene. Are there any of those guys that you kind of look at the landscape and go, yeah, I could see him coming over to AEW and being a huge star in America? Because it's not going to be presented the same way Shinsuke Nakamura has been.
1: Well, I'll talk about that in a sec. But I guess maybe the first one that would jump to everyone's mind is you set up those connections. But he's already turned that down it was very surprising when he actually signed the deal with New Japan. It's Ibushi.
0: Yeah, uh, Ibushi absolutely is one of the people at the top of that list. Uh, but we, we do know he has signed a long-term deal now with New Japan Pro Wrestling. The first one, I have two of them that really jumped into my mind. Uh, one of them you brought up, and that's Switchblade Jay White. Switchblade did his excursion at Ring of Honor. Of course, at that time, he was a babyface young lion, but he absolutely had a following inside of that ROH landscape. People really kind of took to Switchblade. Could you see Switchblade? I mean, he's a very, very young kid. He's got a great look. Of course, I call him, you know, Hunter Hurst Helmsley. That's very much the, the feeling I get from Switchblade Jay White. He just hasn't turned into like triple Switchblade yet. Could you see Jay White making his way to AEW at some point in the next, you know, three years or so and trying to become a star in America?
1: I think that is, that's a name, you know, right outside of a bougie that's probably going to jump, you know, second into people's minds. Here's, here's my drawback from this thing. We talk about this with someone like Juice Robinson, a tremendous look in Japan. He's unique. He stands out. Juice Robinson comes to the United States, North America, most parts of Europe, you know, starts working the Western scene. Guess what? Every independent show has two Juice Robinsons. He's not yeah. unique. He doesn't have that look. Jay White, you know, he comes over here. He's just saying hey, man, he's that good-looking kid down the street. Every every street's got one, you know. Every little neighborhood's got a Jay White. So every in, every indie promotion over here's got a Jay White. What makes him unique in, in the West where he, you know, he absolutely holds that position in New Japan? They need somebody like him. They need they need that Whitey. And he's him. Oh, he's got it his name. <laughs> Switchblade Whitey. They, 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 and it, and it looks like for for the foreseeable future, they have plans for him going forward there. I, that's why I wouldn't necessarily if I'm him, I, I think I'm perfect where I'm at.
0: Okay, well I got one more name I wanna throw into the hat then. You may think that's Tetsuya Naito's music playing in the background, but actually, that's actually uh, 8-Track Brown's head exploding at the conversation that we're about to have. Could Tetsuya Naito make his way to AEW? Now, hear me out on this thing, all right? When you look at the pecking order inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, people like 8-Track Brown, people like Billy Ray Valentine, they've been wondering when is going to be Naito's time the answer is never. It's never going to happen for Tetsuya Naito. He's always going to be number two at best. Look at the depth chart inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling right now. You have the legend Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then you have the new ace in my mind's eye, Kazuchika Okada, who's actually younger than Tetsuya Naito, and his knees aren't as bandaged up as Tetsuya Naito's. And then if you look for the next generation behind him, there's Switchblade Jay White. When is it going to be Tetsuya Naito's time? It's never going to be his time. Let's look at the Japanese talent inside of New Japan right now. When Who is the most over in the United States, I think you can make a case that as Tetsuya Naito and and Gobernoblis, I don't think that you even need Naito to speak English. I think the whole Japanese thing actually adds to the gimmick for Tetsuya Naito and you can caption him, much like they're doing with the Lucha Brothers. Rick, am I absolutely crazy to think that Tetsuya Naito could come to the United States and actually be a bigger star than he'll ever be in New Japan Pro Wrestling?
1: You know, the way you throw it out here, and you, like you're saying, so many individuals that, that are in the know that, that follow up are our fan of his asking when will it be his time? What's wrong with the time he's having now? I mean, just because he's not at the top carrying the company as the champion, uh, he has a prominent role there. He is very beloved in, in amongst that fan base, that country. He has a tremendous spot. I mean, I mean, this would be like going back. When is it? When's it going to be Piper's time? When, when's Jake the Snake going to get his run? I mean, there was a time in professional wrestling where everything was not measured by a, a top championship run. It was about how you produced in and what your role, how you delivered, and what you meant overall to a product. And Aetho absolutely offers the t- you know the highest of quality in that position. I mean, what really changes? I mean you think he's going to come to aew and they're going to find some great success by putting like a hero run uh, championship on him i mean like you said i mean it certainly would play into a, a character a persona there if he didn't have to speak you know if he didn't speak english and they play off of that but that's not going to be the guy that's going to run your company i mean he might get a short run because it, it obviously he hasn't done it there so they're going to want to capitalize on you know the publicity and the fame behind that little run hey you know what he did it here he, we put him up here we gave him this opportunity it's going to be short-lived if you need a guy to go out there and hit that pr trail It's going to represent but unfortunately he's not going to do that here i asked you the other day about this you know everyone's always it was talking about with inside wwe everyone's always on vince and creative there they just don't know how to how to get over japanese town. they don't know how to use them they don't understand it well i want to. Does the general fan base understand it and know it? Because I don't think I don't think anyone over here. I don't think the majority of wrestling fans are going to gravitate towards uh, an Asian superstar at the top. Well, and y-
0: you bring up that whole you know he's not being used right. Well, you know, one of the guys that we were talking about was John Cena. He, he's walking out the door. We've got EC3 sitting on the back burner here. There's a lot of people that thought EC3 was going to be a huge star inside of the WWE, that he was basically the heir apparent to John Cena. I mean, look at the guy. He looks like a young John Cena. And instead he's standing in an elevator waiting for the 24 seven thing to go off. And there's a lot of people that he's not being used, right? He's not being used, right? Well, what the fuck does being used, right? Actually mean, I mean, maybe just maybe Vince McMahon was right about EC three all along. There's a reason that they let him go the first damn time. And you know, EC3 was a huge star down at Impact Wrestling, completely rejuvenated himself and reinvented himself, and he comes back, and where does EC3 fit on that roster? I mean, when you really look at that roster, do you want to see EC3 versus Drew McIntyre for the next five years? I don't.
1: Drew McIntyre's going to murder EC3. Well, I think, you know, the big thing is you always hear well, they should be higher on the card. They should be a champion. They're not being used right. But you never get the follow-up. They never give you a solution. What, what should they be doing with that? What spot should they be in? And then more so, who are you going to move? Who's getting downgraded? It, not everyone can be sitting up there. And as I said to you in our conversation, I said, sure, it would be it would be fabulous if we would have had EC3 and the Baron Corbin role. I thought they think people would have really taken to it a little bit more. It might have been a little misfire because people would tend to want to cheer EC3 where, I mean, hell, the vast majority, I mean, they are absolutely most hating, but he draws some heat. Barrett Corbin draws some damn heat. Uh, For many, it's it's the wrong kind because it's channel changing, but for others, I mean, they absolutely hate this guy. And if you really put aside like your distaste or maybe the overexposure for him, he goes out there, he does, he knows how to work those audiences. And he's out there interacting less is more with his style, which I think, you know, that even lends a little bit because he's not going out there and hitting all those stupid spots every damn match. He's not going 100 miles per hour. That irritates people. But it goes back to what we were just talking about here on this show. Baron Corbin's homegrown. Mm-hmm. He is crafted. He is mold that has been crafted by WWE. EC3 is not going to get a sniff over him. Sure, EC3 started in WWE, but he went away and made himself elsewhere. That's great. That's tremendous that he did that brought him back to wwe and got him a wwe contract i don't know what kind of figures he's working on but i sure i guarantee i sure as hell guarantee it's more than what he was doing at impact wrestling that's why he signed that contract that's why he signed the contract there and this notion our brothers over on turnbuckle talk uh big joe was out there you know for a showstopper segment you know what's more important you know quality you know how you're treated and you know being book great or your contract this is a freaking business it's about money What makes the world go round? And I understand tying in that you don't want to be absolutely treated as a a total joke, because when you try to leave WWE, you know that stigma is going to run with you. But hell, there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people that are getting quality money on the indies because they've taken that joke inside WWE and they and they made it work to their advantage. They're out there on the indie scene, you know, out there on the indie scene making some serious dough. I don't want to say any figures here, but but Adam Rose. I mean, when he left that company, everyone was laughing at him. I, I know what he makes on NDC. Mm-hmm. I, I I know he he's works shows with us, and, and hey, he's doing all right uh, for for a living outside of WWE professional wrestling. He's absolutely he's getting ready to retire now. He's had some health issues there, but he was doing all right. And, and that could be you know set for so many individuals that are out there still touring, you know, making some money here. But to go back to our point here. EC3 is where EC3 should be. He looks like a million bucks. That's great. But there's something inside of their their narrative, their dynamic, that just doesn't click with him. And that's where he's at.
0: And it's the same way with Shinsuke Nakamura. And, you know, the thing that is so funny, to bring this back to Naito, when I look at Shinsuke Nakamura, why would Naito leave New Japan Pro Wrestling because he's in exactly the same place that Nakamura was. People didn't think that Nakamura should leave New Japan Pro Wrestling either, but Nakamura knew with Okada behind him as a younger version, there was no way that it was ever going to truly be Nakamura's time. With Tanahashi above him and Okada behind him, he was never going to be the man in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and that's kind of the place Naito finds himself now as well with Switchblade.
1: Well, you know, to go back with, you know, making it on in any promotion, any level, what is the ceiling for a Japanese talent in, in America? And, and I want to compare those two. And I know there will be there's going to be so many people out there that it's going to be a hard pill for them as well. They're going to disagree with me because, you know, people that listen to us are very loyal to professional wrestling and uh, especially with our show, because we talk so many different promotions They They want to see, the, you know, the great positives and what he can bring. And he is a he is a tremendous star. Incredible. But does the general Western audience, is it, are they going to be able to relate enough to a Japanese star to, to support them in that top position? And, and I know people go back, well, it's about booking and how they're presented. Well, I, you know, look at someone like Finn Balor. He's been treated like absolute garbage since coming over here, but he is relatable. That fan base has stayed extremely loyal to him, where he is still relevant on that card no matter where they book him, how they book him. He, you know, people still support him. There there still is a strong following with the Battler Club. Or on the other hand, I, we're talking about, do you miss people? I have no idea what's going on with Nakamura. And I don't care. And I don't think a lot of the other people do either.
0: Yep. Nope. I completely agree. Would like
1: to see Naito oh, and, and, and Asuka. He gets the same thing with Asuka, but it doesn't seem like the majority of people care.
0: Well, the, the yeah, don't even get me started on the Robert Kraft experience. All right, let's go ahead. Let's take a little break because I want to have a smoke. Uh, we'll throw it over to a word from probably Stevie Richards. And when we come back, we're going to talk some AEW, a little MLW, and then some Wrestle Circus. Yeah, we're going to get some Wrestle Circus on the run as well as the NXT breakout tournament. We'll be right back. Hey this is Stevie Richards and I'm here to tell you you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12 week resistance band training program to you which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability no matter what fitness level or what age you are the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program.
1: Blanchard, and you're listening to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling
0: Podcast. Alright, so we're back. Segment two. Shout out to my boy, Stevie Richards. You know, hearing that Stevie Richards promo reminds me, Huckleberry, tonight, actually tomorrow, today, as you're listening to this, Jesus, I don't even know when this is going to come out. If this is on Sunday, I am probably balls deep in my fantasy football draft. That's right. It's already fantasy football time. Stevie Richards, big football fan. Shout out to Stevie. He wants to do a, a pro football podcast, you know. I, I might have to jump in on that. Uh, but rather than pro football, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about AEW. Let's start things off there because uh, they kind of did a big thing over the course of the last couple of days. All out tickets sell out in 15 minutes. 15 freaking minutes. 11,372 is, I I believe that was the number that they had for all-in. So that many tickets are gone. There's a whole bunch of them on StubHub. Goddamn scalpers. I freaking hate those people. Huckleberry, what do you think of this thing? You know, they, they sell out the Sears Center the first time in like 26 minutes, and then they sell out the MGM Grand for double or nothing, and now... All out, sells out in 15 minutes. I was number 8,941 in the queue, and I didn't get tickets. I'm, I'm a little perturbed about that, but hopefully we can get hooked up with some media passes.
1: What do you make of this thing, Huckleberry? Well, hey, let's, let's keep the tinfoil hats on here. The conspiracy marks at it again. You know what everyone's talking about? Collusion, collusion. It's, it's not, it's not the Trumps and the Russians this time. There was time. no
0: collusion. No collusion. It's sad, very sad. No collusion.
1: AEW in bed with the scalping, with the scalpers, the scalping community. What do what, what are you making of this? I, I know the professor, AOC, Professor Cortez. He is all about this thing, but he swears, he swears it's not about his dis his disdain towards the success of all elite wrestling or his his un, undenying, un, you know, devotion towards wwe it has nothing to do with that he's trying to get to the root of this evil are you buying in like
0: you know i think it's hilarious because the professor aoc will be the first one to come to wwe defense and 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 stick up for the death of kayfabe and everything nobody lives the gimmick like the professor it's absolutely hilarious to me the professor doesn't even buy his own bullshit he's just living the gimmick that's what's going on with the professor um stop not everything is a damn conspiracy that's pretty much how I feel about this thing I was in the queue I was trying to get tickets I was following along on Twitter I'm seeing people posting you know that they're like 50,000th in line trying to get tickets for this thing it was gonna sell out we knew it was gonna sell out we knew it was gonna sell out fast when I saw my original queue and it said 24 minutes and I was like oh shit 24 minutes. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get tickets. Sure enough, 15 minutes they sell this thing out. I absolutely buy this thing as a shoot, as a, as a sellout. My problem is with these damn scalpers. Yeah, you can get plenty of tickets if you want to go to StubHub and pay three times face value. There, there's plenty of tickets out there. Rick, the... They, we got to figure something out with the scalper situation. And it's not just AEW. It's every major concert. It's every major event. No matter what it is, it seems like somehow these ticket brokers are getting a hold of all these damn tickets and then hitting the resale market with these things. But I don't see any good solution to this thing. Hell, there, literally, there are bills before Congress regarding
1: this issue at this point. I, I was going to say, you know, at this point, we, we need to get this thing. We need to get this to our to our leaders. The, the people on the Hill, we, we need a little collusion between the Trumps and the Russians to get to the bottom of this thing. Give us a solution here, as you're right. Uh, this is completely out of control. But I, I, let's talk about the positives here. And, you know, it, it's easy. I mean, everybody wants to attack the machine. Everybody wants to go after, you know, anyone that's seeing success because we're so used to it with WWE. And, and a lot of times it's unwarranted. you know, the attacks that they get because it's just so simple to go at them. And now we're we're seeing this success with AEW and it's like people despise you for, for breaking through the barrier and trying to improve everything. Here's, here's what this says. I mean, time after time for these shows here, you know, record sellouts for, you know, just amazing what we've seen in professional wrestling. And you look at the t-shirt sales going on in AEW all, you know, and then the attacks there, they're just a t-shirt company. That's great. That's great. So one a lot hell, of them. we are one hell of a t-shirt company. This goes back to what Moxley was saying. He wants to make wrestling cool. He wants people to be, you know, to be inspired, to not be ashamed, to embrace this thing openly. And this is proof of that, that there is a work in a consumer base that is absolutely hungry for this. And that's what we're getting with AEW. We should be not just happy for them. We should be celebrating this as a community. As professional wrestling fans, that we are coming together, that we have a movement now, something to get behind. Don't be hating on everything. Try to embrace it. Let's look at things that they're doing positive in AEW and hope that the other promotions can adapt to those things. Because it's just going to make WWE better. It's going to make Ring of Honor better. It's going to make MLW better. It's going to make every independent better. When the community is stronger as a whole everything's going to be better. We need to stop this damn bickering and civil war amongst ourselves. You're not a WWE fan or an AEW fan. You are a fucking professional wrestling fan. Act like one. The other thing that's driving
0: me nuts is I keep seeing this. You guys got to run a bigger building. You got to run a bigger building. I like them running the Sears Center. I, I like the atmosphere at the building. We were there for all in. Uh, and the other thing is supply and demand. There is a very limited supply and there is a lot of demand. You you run a bigger building. You run the all-state arena. Yeah, they might be able to sell 20,000 tickets. But what about next year when they come back? You know, You have to keep the demand there for those tickets. And right now,
1: there is a demand for AEW. Well, anyone, you know, looking at this thing, I mean, that's just—it's kind of asinine to even suggest that thing. As you said, out of the gate, you got to keep—you got to keep the demand on your product. This goes back, you know, when Eric Bischoff took over WCW. I mean, they, they're hemorrhaging money. They, they couldn't—they couldn't see a profit uh, for miles and miles away. What's he do? He pulls live events so that the demand starts to grow. People want. If you're watching this on television and it's coming from a studio, after a while, damn. I, I want to see this, but I can't get down there to, you know, to the stage show and all that. I can't go down to Florida to watch this, Orlando, wherever they were taping at the time there. You create that demand where then, boom, all right, they want to see me in, in Iowa. They want to see me in Cincinnati. They, they want to see us out in Denver. We can get back on the road now. They want to see us outside. We, we've broken through that barrier that we're a southern territory. We're the gold southern boy wrestling. They, they want to see us in the northeast. You create that demand. And as you just said perfectly, Drago, yeah, great. They know it's hot right now. They're the hot commodity. They're the new kids on the block. and They're that hot new kid at school that everybody's taken to. Now, within a year's time, you better make sure that's still there. you got to sustain that thing. They're playing the long game, and it's smart. Well, and then on the other side of that, too, you're saying run bigger arenas. That's not that simple. WWE's got lockdown contracts with a lot of those bigger arenas. And those those arenas aren't going to go poking the bear even for that hot commodity, that, that new attraction, because they've had decades of a lasting relationship with WWE. They know WWE's going to be there 10, 15 years from now. We can't say that with certainly about AEW. And, and that's nothing against those guys. But you look at the track record, you know, WCWs, ECWs. E- even look at the growth of, you know, like Ring of Honor and Impact that have been around so long, but mm-hmm. they're nowhere near that level. I mean, they couldn't even sell out with AEW is doing right now. And they've been established for decades now. Yep. So you're, you're worrying about contracts. You're worried about getting into WWE territory. There's so many factors to consider there. Just stay where you're at. It, it, it's, it's like the rock. You know, you know, your role. So now we know that
0: the show is sold out. Now the big question surrounding all out is what is the main event? Because there's already a debate and the show's not until August 31st. Of course, we have the crowning of the very first AEW champion. It's going to be hangman, Adam page taking on Judas himself, the Ayatollah of rock and roll, the best in the world at what he does. Chris Jericho. Or is your main event John Moxley versus Kenny Omega? Because that match was obviously built to at all in. It's been or not at all in at double or nothing. It's been announced. It's official. We've got plenty of time to build this thing. It'll probably be the hottest program going into it with two of your biggest stars. This is really a debate of Is Hangman Page a main event talent Because you know Jericho is You know Moxley is You know Omega is
1: Do you go with the match that everybody wants to see Or do you headline with the title You headline with your championship You you are defining your championship here. You are crowning the inaugural AEW World Heavyweight Champion I don't care who's in that match This is about that title It has to close It has to be your main marquee Otherwise, you're downgrading. You're immediately downgrading this thing. It's you're coming out of the gate and putting it as kind of the WWE Championship, the, the mid card championship of the world.
0: Yep, I, I actually agree with you on this one. I think that you go with the championship. I think you should always close with the championship.
1: I, now I think uh, the real question is: Do you do you close that show back to back with those two? Or do you put something in there? I mean, we see, you know, in New Japan booking, it's hot match, hot match, hot match. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's an order of importance how it's building up there. We go that strategy. You've got Mox, Omega, then the heavyweight championship. You know, if you go with the WWE strategy, where they kind of like to give you that cool down, to kind of you know, you, you kind of take in a little bit of what you're seeing. But sometimes it backfires because you cool down too much. Yeah. And so, do we put something in there? and what do you put in there i mean what does that speak i don't think you want to put a women's match in there because then you're really it's a slap in the face to that division maybe you
0: maybe you do tag team i could i could see you know whatever your big tag team match young bucks versus whomever
1: but but that that page jericho match is going to be very different than what we usually see from a Bucks match and what we're going to see from Mox and Omega. Now, here's what you could potentially do here, and I think they're smart enough booking-wise to do this. You want to have a big match there so it doesn't look like you're telling people, go to the bathroom. This is your cool-down period. You don't want them to lose so much interest. Maybe you send the Bucks out there, but they don't wrestle your usual Bucks match. Get, Get your couple spots in to keep people kind of on the edge of their seat, but don't go over the top. Pull it back a little bit so they can consume what they saw from Mox from and Omega. Pull it back a little bit but keep them hot enough where they're still going to be fired up to see who's going to be the first ever champ.
0: Well, we'll talk about what I assume is going to be the Young Bucks match for All Out here in just a little
1: bit. Do you know, you know why I also maybe run out there? Because you're going to get a great reaction. People are going to stay tuned in. They're going to be hot, but you can rely on character. It is uh, shit. And Jesus. what? They're hot young kid with the scarf. MJF. MJF, yes. MJF. Um, we got all these people with initials. Right? We, got, we got an RBV, we got a BRV, we got an MSG. You know,
0: you when we were talking about in, in the previous segment with EC3 and uh, being original talent like Velveteen Dream, Lacey Evans, where you come in and WWE can tell your entire story. Um, this is going to be one of those things with AEW that I'm very, very interested to watch. And I, I, heard this brought up on another show last night, but I'll be damned if I can remember which one it was. Cause I think I listened to about seven different podcasts last night. Um, how are they going to present this thing? No,
1: it's just, um, it's in that back hallway. When you get to the bottom of the steps, someone's asking me where the bathroom was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's all good. How are we going to present this thing? Um, because The person that I heard talking about this was talking about it mostly with Kevin Owens, with Adam Cole, uh, talking about their PWG and and that that run and the history between them and how is that going to be addressed on WWE TV. One of the things that we know that Vince likes is homegrown talent, so where he can tell that entire story. Rick, as I look at the, the card for All Out and what I expect is going to happen, as I look at the card for Fighter Fest there's a lot of these talents that, you know, we know the stories to them. We know the story of the Young Bucks because we've been watching them for years. We know that Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix are brothers. We've seen the rivalry. We've seen them come together. We know the formation of the Lucha Bros. How much of that history do you tell inside of an AEW context, or do you just start from scratch? Like, because, you know, like... When we want we talk when MLW was first getting going, and I told you were like, "Where do I start watching it?" And I'm like, "You just gotta jump into it." People ask me all the time if I want to start watching New Japan. You know, wh- where do I start? Where do I jump into it? And I normally direct them to one of the Wrestle Kingdom shows. But we live in this age now with streaming, where people want to sit down and they want to binge watch TV shows. I'm not gonna expect somebody to to go and watch every new Japan match since 1972 to get caught up to, to the current timeline. Like
1: I was, I was just going to say, Dick, when I asked you, where should I start New Japan? You told me 1972, I got all those hours I wasted. But y- y- you see what I'm saying? Like, where do we start this
0: story for AEW? Do we pay homage to the history or do we just start something completely new? Like, everybody inside of this company, whether it be John Moxley, Chris Jericho, like, maybe people don't know about Jericho's time in Japan. Maybe they don't know about you know, his time in WCW. Like, where do you
1: start the story with AEW? Well, I think, you know, e- you're writing a new, just on a new chapter, but you're starting a, a new, a new book. And I think you want to, you want to reference some of those big things. We don't necessarily need to know about Chris Jericho in Japan and you don't have to maybe overemphasize, you know, WCW highlight what people do know. And Jericho shouldn't be a huge focal point for that, especially going into this championship match. Obviously when you have Jericho there, he's going to, he's going to be very instrumental in promoting this thing. In attracting people because whenever he, you know, his image or he's shooting a vignette, cutting a promo, people are going to be able to relate to him because they know him. They've seen him recently on, you know, weekly WWE programming. He's been, he's headlined WrestleManias. He's a multi-time world champion. He's one of the greatest of all time. That is a given. You're going to need that. I think what's most important to really sell this thing and to sell AEW moving forward is you got to get people caught up you know, and get them in the know with this fresh, young, tremendous talent that is Adam Page. That's gonna be your tricky part. And I I don't think you really if I'm marketing this thing with him, I obviously I'm having him, I'm I'm using every connection I have through my con resources to get him out on that PR trail. I'm not relying simply on what's happening on our YouTube shows or, you know, social media. That's that's going to be a, a major part of it because it's such a tremendous platform and outlet for any marketing strategies, but I want him everywhere. You know, I, I want him, I want him out there as, as part of the festivities for Jacksonville's open. You know, I want him to be a regular down there on a sideline. Anytime you can get him on any programming with the NFL or, or the soccer, any other companies that they have, I, I don't know the extent of, uh, of their corporate reach and all that, but anywhere and everywhere, any contacts you can use, get him out there. He's young, he's good looking, he he looks like a superstar. You can you can kind of look at him when you hear professional wrestler, you say, Yeah, that works. I like this guy. But you gotta get him out there. And I think what you do is not so much everywhere he's worked, but you sure as hell highlight his achievements and, and you show that flash. And you know, a little bit of that, you know, we, we kind of get out sometimes where they go over the top of them spots, but I, I know in, in marketing, those are gonna sell. Those are gonna be what's gonna grab people's attention. You wanna get those out there for this general audience. I mean, I I'd, I'd start running on TNT as soon as possible, make him kind of, you know, his spots, the focus of my commercials that I'm running for the TV.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest coming up now in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Rick, they have announced, I thought this thing would probably be on Bleacher Report Live, probably be like 20 bucks. It's starting to look like it's going to be a pretty good show. I'm getting into it. And they come out and announce this thing is going to air for free on Bleacher Report Live from the CEO Gaming Con. Um, I think this is going to be really, really cool. And I also thought they were putting together like a NXT TakeOver kind of style card. It actually looks like they're inflating this thing. This is going to be a full card of
1: wrestling. Well, I, I love that this is going free because let's think. Usually, when you're you know when you're charging, obviously you want that additional revenue, but you're trying to cover cost. You know, you know, like with all out, they're renting that building. They're bringing in the production team. They've got that built in right here. You know, they're you know they're getting they're they're using their their marketing team and all that. They've pretty much got that built in here through this convention. Yeah, I mean they're 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 likely getting paid a good chunk of money to actually come there and be a part of this thing themselves. Yep, so this is a
0: sideshow. This is not being built around right. an AEW wrestling event.
1: This is a nice attraction for the individuals that are already headed, heading to this well-established... Uh, it it's a fighting game, right? It's just like a, yeah. a Comic-Con for fighting games.
0: Yeah, for like Street Fighter, Tekken, that kind Any, of stuff. Mortal Kombat, anything yep.
1: you know, along those lines. Um, that's and They're going to... They're probably getting paid for this thing. They're a special attraction, they're a feature. So hey, they're kind of they're relaying the, the good wealth, the good fortune. And that's a smart move. Bring people in. You was uh, Ben Hameen and Strangler Steve talk about this when they were up at two CW, the free, the free for alls or the free for review. Yep. You know, it was hey, yeah, everyone else is trying to charge this three ninety nine to stream an, an indie show? Except the hell with it. We're gonna give ours away for free because we wanna we wanna pull you in. We want you to want more of what our product is about. I think this is a tremendous move by that. How how are the We're we're talking about the success of, you know, like All Out and the Vegas show and all that. How is the Jacksonville show going?
0: Um, I don't know. I haven't really uh, paid too much attention to uh, the ticket sales for Fighter Fest at this point. It seems like the way that they're pushing Fighter Fest is something completely different than what they did with Double or Nothing, All In, All Out. It's being much more treated like Fighter Fest is. Uh, where Fight for the Fallen is going to be kind of more of that local, intimate kind of setting there, right at the uh, Jaguar Stadium. The venue is actually attached right to
1: uh, the field there. So, hey, I, I, well, in your talk, we're talking about like where AEW tying in things where we might see storylines develop. Uh, looks like a loaded, loaded card coming up for uh, the Vola.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Bola is going to be fun this year Uh, Let's run through the card for fighter fest here It's going to start off with a hardcore match Michael Nakazawa taking on Jay Bailey Uh, Cody Rhodes versus Darby Allen this is one of the more interesting Matches on the card this week On the uh, road to fighter fest We got to meet Darby Allen and uh, get a little bit of Insight into his character Rick it is amazing to me That these 10 minute road 2 episodes do more Business in 10 minutes than what WWE does in five hours worth of programming, these ten-minute specials are freaking fantastic.
1: Well, hey, no, when WWE actually takes their takes their product and breaks it down into these shorts, these five ten-minute shorts, they get attention. They look great. It's just sad that, that that it's in that order. That people, you know, it's you always hear, "Well, look at," it. and rightfully so. WWE should pat themselves on the back because you want to applaud anywhere where you're standing out. Ah, uh, but it's also, but it's a very negative that you have so many downloads on social media, as a, as opposed, you know, to people actually thinking that they need to tune into live programming.
0: The Darby Allen vignette is absolutely wonderful because one of the first things that everybody asks about Darby Allen is why do you paint half of your face? He actually explains it inside of that vignette that he feels like he's half dead already. That's why he paints his face like that. It's just it's absolutely great. Uh, the Elite are going to take on the Lucha Bros and a tag team partner of their choosing John Moxley versus Joey Janela. We got to see Joey Janela on the road to uh, special this week. Uh, what did you think of uh, Joey Janela's uh, funeral as hosted by Joey Janela and him taking shots at Dean Ambrose and his pathetic career, the Kevin Dunn PG version of John Moxley.
1: Uh, absolutely. Again, love it. We're sitting here putting over hangman hey, page. Joey Janela has such a future here with AEW and not necessarily it's not, that's not saying he needs to be thrust into a main event scene. This is going to be a, a tremendous staple on the mid card for some years to come. It's going to be one of those people that just kind of organically gets that following to it's about ready to, to burst. I mean, boil over before he gets in that main event scene, but it's going to be absolutely magnificent. This, this program here, we were kind of, we were talking about, man, we wish we had some more build or like TV build that really gets the people behind this thing. Go into this thing expecting this to be the be just the beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this matchup. Uh, Then we had a a little bit of a miscommunication between Nick Jackson and Adam Page for what uh, Hangman wanted to do down at Fighter Fest. Hangman wanted to fight MJF, but uh, he had a a bad connection and uh, things. things, It was like he was in a jungle, and so Nick says, "Yeah, you can fight Jungle Boy at at Fighter Fest. We'll, We'll go ahead and we'll announce it." And then he calls him back and he's like, "No, I don't want to fight Jungle Boy. I want to fight MJF. What, 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 what is this havoc that you're causing? Oh, you want to fight Jimmy Havoc at Fighter Fest? Okay, cool. And so then they book it. It's going to be Hangman Page versus Jimmy Havoc. And then Hangman calls him back and he says, "No, I want to fight MJF." And he's like, "All right, cool. It's going to be a Fatal Four Way: Adam Page versus Jimmy Havoc versus Jungle Boy versus MJF." Hopefully MJF and Hangman don't even touch during the course of this match, and we just keep building to these two young guys inside of AEW because this is going to be one of their money programs going forward.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I'm hoping that MJF doesn't even get involved in this match because I mean, come on, you you expect you expect someone the caliber of to entertain thousands of video game nerds. I mean, you talk about downgrading against a hardcore wrestler and a guy from the
0: jungle. Really, uh, yeah,
1: a, a, a jungle boy, uh, this <laughs> havoc freak show, and a guy that has stumbled into a title opportunity that rightfully belongs to him, and now he has to wrestle these guys in front of a, a couple thousand nerds.
0: He's out of there. Listen up, turkey tits. I love yeah. It. Uh, Christopher Daniels going to take on SEMA. That's going to be a fantastic matchup. Um, and then we had Brandy introducing the women's match, Yuka Sakazaki versus Riho versus Nyla Rose. We talked about that match a little bit earlier, really looking forward to that. And they did a real nice job on the road to, of featuring Yuka Sakazaki and Riho. So you knew exactly who they were and kind of their stories with some video clips from uh, what they pulled off at uh double or nothing. I think Nyla Rose is really the feature inside of that though. They-
1: the only thing here with uh, with the women's division, I know they're trying to right now it's about getting names out there, getting the audience familiar with them. But I hope I, I hope, you know, sooner or more than later that they start getting just down to traditional one on ones where we don't have so many kind of gimmicky, you know, four ways, three ways, whatever. But I understand what they're doing here. I just hope that they settle back down and 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 really focus and give this division the support and I guess maybe serious direction that they're kind of promising us.
0: I did see Tennille Dashwood starting to take bookings effective in July. So all of you independent promoters get on that, get uh, Tennille Dashwood on your shows before she signs with AEW, because I think she absolutely, that's where I expect her to end up. And I expect that it's going to be Tennille Dashwood and Nyla Rose and, um, uh, Brit, Dr. Britt Baker kind of in that women's championship scene right off the top. Uh, also on the uh, road two, we saw a couple of other vignettes. Well, actually, one of them was on BTE this week. But this goes back to what we were talking about, Rick, and it, it's that Sean Spears. Uh, vignette that they ran on road to. Number one, Sean Spears looks straight out of Fast and Furious the way that this thing is shot and the way that it was presented. It was awesome. He's way more over with me at this point inside of AEW after one vignette than he was his entire career inside of the WWE. But I thought this was interesting, and this goes back to what I was asking you about with history. The way that this was shot on Road 2, they show the vignette and then the final shot, they show Cody sitting there watching it, talking with one of his assistants. And, you know, he's like, yeah, that's a great signing. And Cody, you know, starts going off about how, oh, yeah, he's a a great hand. He could be in that, you know, player coach role, um, you know, maybe transition into a coach. And immediately I thought to Cody and Sean Spears tagging together inside of OVW, this is going to be a match. This is going to be Sean Spears coming out and saying, hey, Cody, you know what? Fuck you, man. If I'm going to be in that player coach role, you're already in that player coach role. We traveled the same roads. We're the same age. I ain't here for a player coach role. I'm here to be a player inside of AEW. And the fact that you think that that's my role, that I'm just a good hand. How about we get in the ring and I'll show you what a good hand I am. This is is building heat to build to a program.
1: Well, you know what I'd really like to see here. We're talking about what do you mention in history? Not many individuals are are going to know about what happened in OVW. One of the hottest hottest stories going down there. Uh, of course, you know I've been a Sean Spears, a Sean Spears fan ever since then. I, I thought, I thought of the two. I thought Spears was the one with the you know with, with the, the overwhelming talent. I think that he's got a, a better character. look than Cody too. Well, I, well, even back then, you know, of those two, but even you mentioned here the tag team that was a very small part of it. They ended, up, they ended up having the feud of the year down there. They right. tore it up when everything exploded. So realizing that not, not a whole lot of people know about that. Could you retell it? You're gonna have to tweak it a little bit, you know, have them come together and maybe work, you know, a short time as, as a tag team. I'd love to see these guys out there against the lucha bros or the bucks. It's gonna give us something fresh instead of just you know the bucks and the luchas over and over. It gives us a, a fresh perspective. We're, we're visiting the past, but we got a fresh perspective in 2019 with it and then go back into that thing, as you said, where Spears is like, you know what, man, you keep trying to define me as a player coach. I'm, I've had enough of it at this point and then have that blow up. It is you know, we've talked about regularly for Cody. He needs to stay. He needs a position to stay relevant, but he needs to stay away from those championships. And that. In that case, you know, he becomes exactly what he tried to destroy in that throne. He'll be perceived as a Triple H if he's sitting there challenging. But he needs a top program, and this is a this is a feud that could be that for him.
0: Yep, absolutely. And it's kind of the same build that we have for the Jericho match, which is inevitably going to happen. Which match would you rather see at all out? Well, obviously, I guess Jericho is going to be taking on Hangman. So can we, can we pencil in Sean Spears versus Cody Rhodes?
1: I'm down for that match at all out. Yeah, and I think the things with Cody, I mean, you always get on him about, you know, he's three and a half, four stars at the best, but it's those stories that get you over the top. It's when you get emotionally invested and these two can get there. If you know the past, great, but they could they can even grab that new viewer and pull them in to get them invested here. I think it would be tremendous. And. You know, it it seems far away, but it's not that far away. So what's maybe is Dustin doing at that point?
0: I also thought it was interesting. You know, you, you bring up that, you know, three, three and a half star general thing. As good as this Sean Spears vignette is, I did take note that the only professional wrestling move that you saw him do inside of that vignette, collar and elbow tie up. That was all they gave you. Yeah, you get the taste that he's gonna get physical inside the ring, but all they gave you was a collar and elbow tie up. Talk about not giving anything away. Just freaking that—that's top-notch thinking right there. Uh, another team that we saw debut at Double or Nothing gets their vignette on being the elite, and it's hilarious looking at how polarizing the Dark Order is. And it's polarizing in the respect that there's people like you and I, Rick, who know the Super Smash Bros. We've seen these guys work. We know the history inside of PWG with the Young Bucks. We know how good they are. But people who have never seen the Super Smash Bros saw this vignette and went, What the fuck is this?
1: They they promised that tag team wrestling was going to matter. It was coming back. It was going. It was going to be a marquee. If if they had a ten of a division before this, bringing in the dark order, I don't even know where this puts it on the scale. But they have just they have smashed through whatever ceiling. They have blown this thing up. This is blowing people's minds. You know, confusing or not, be prepared to absolutely wowed by these guys
0: yeah because they are fantastic i've got this match penciled in for all out i've got the dark order versus the young bucks and in front of a chicago crowd that will be freaking lit so let me ask you if if your top matches are going to be let's say your top four matches are sean spears versus cody rhodes kenny omega versus john moxley the dark order versus the young bucks And then the AEW Championship, Hangman Page versus Chris Jericho. Those are four very, very contrasting styles, four very, very different styles of matches. All four can steal best match of the night. Do you stack them up? Are those the last four matches for All Out?
1: You know, I'd really go with, because it's going to be so different. And I think, you know, we're going to get great storytelling, I think, out of all these matches. But I think it's going to be so different how it is. If you go with Spears and Cody, I would almost put that like before my intermission, which I need mean, a little side point. I wish they would bring back intermissions at, at AEW. I agree. I love and, intermission. And, and use it. I mean, use it as a positive. Do like a little 15-minute stage show like we see with like the kickoff shows where you're going to set up the rest of the evening real quick, run through those matches, show those vignettes. But it lets people know we're giving you a break because we don't have a cool-down match. There's no match on this show you should go to the bathroom for, that you should go catch a smoke. You're not going to want to miss any of this action. We understand that. We're giving you 15 minutes right now to go do that. Yep. I, I would I would put that Cody Cody Spears match right before whatever kind of like every show has a little break transition period in there. I have it right before that because it is going to be different. And then as we talked about, I then I'd go, my last three would be Knox, uh, Omega, then I'd go with Dark Order Bucks, and then finish out with the heavyweight championship.
0: That's a hell of a show right there. If those are your top four matches,
1: just saying. Well, I, I obviously, I mean, you sack, you take. When we're talking about comparisons between Takeovers and AEW, I mean, those are those those four matches you could put up against anything we've seen from from Takeover. I guess we're getting report to it. These uh, WWE's taking is taking this a little seriously that they're gearing up here. Uh, in the build towards toronto i mean they're going to be bringing you a, a seriously entertaining product it, it, it's can't miss
0: reading through uh some of the um non-spoiler what's coming up on this taping of uh nxt the series of nxt tapings leading up to toronto It's going to be a fun build. Uh, Let's talk about MLW. July 6th, Kings of Coliseum. Huckleberry, we knew that it was going to be Parks versus Wagner's. We we talked about that match last week on the show. Uh, We now have your title match announced, and I am looking forward to this thing. Tom Lawler, filthy Tom Lawler, the MLW champion, is going to take on... I don't even know what word to use to describe Jacob Fatu other than scary. Uh, This entire Contra thing that they're running inside of MLW, they damn near caused a riot. Uh, Contra is getting freaking hot and Jacob Fatu is something else. I'm going to predict that we're going to get a new MLW champion July 6th at Kings of Coliseum. I think filthy Tom Lawler's going down.
1: Wow, I, I don't know if I'd go that far I mean Lawler, he 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 overcomes some, some, some Absolute mountains Yeah, but dude, Jacob yeah, Fatu he, he, he He's one of those guys you can't count out Especially with that MMA background He's an absolute fighter He's going to bring it to Fatu, you're right Who was an absolute beast But Kasha, these guys are heat machines
0: dude, and, and think about it. If you give Contra the MLW title Think of the baby faces that you can line up To go after Jacob Fatu And just have him be putting people down
1: well, I'm you know I'm thinking not just the, you know line up the baby faces, but the damn near riots that you will have at each and every show. I mean, these audiences they are eating this up and they are playing along perfectly, and it is making for some fun professional wrestling.
0: Yeah, I'm really enjoying everything Jacob Fatu and but Contra is doing.
1: You, you were talking about Heat Machine. A guy that's not even going to get in the ring and mix it up, but he is a this is a return of returns for MLW people are excited for you. yeah people are are incredibly pumped God, I love that music man
0: Is the LAX music like some of the best music In the history of professional wrestling As soon as you hear that click click It's just over man Conan returns to MLW And let me tell you, Selena De La Renta is not happy That Conan is returning to MLW And that probably doesn't end well For Conan But you can bet your ass Conan's bringing some backup with him He ain't gonna be showing up alone After he got stabbed the last time he was there
1: uh yeah i you know this i guess let's let's reference something that brv billy ray valentine mentioned you know he comes from those kind of circles that conan comes from when he said when you, when you, when, who'd you who did you have beating him up all oh, the shinobi uh hits sc- or death squad or whatever <laughs> yeah, the shinobi called. shadow squad shadow squad yeah cheeseburger and his gang billy ray threw it out there where he comes <laughs> from his Puerto rican brothers he brings motherfuckers that are throwing rocks well in this case you stab conan He's bringing a crew that might shoot your ass, and we might get that at MLW when this goes down.
0: I'm excited to see who Conan brings with him. Uh, We also have another big return coming to MLW, coming up July 25th, this time in New York City. Uh, a guy that we haven't seen a whole lot from. We haven't necessarily heard a lot from in the last few months. I saw a picture of him the other day. I didn't even recognize him because he's got hair and a big bushy beard. It's not the traditional cut anymore. Austin Aries returns to MLW and, and kind of returns to mainstream pro wrestling. We haven't seen much of Austin Aries since he left Impact. Uh,
1: you know, I'm not a big Aries fan. This doesn't do anything for me.
0: I like Austin Aries, but by all accounts, he's a complete horse's ass, which is kind of why Austin Aries just kind of bounces around the world and doesn't spend too long in any one promotion.
1: You know, it just kind of occurred to me. Like, we're thinking about you know who Conan's going to show up with LAX, any other you know great uh, Latino talents. I know this is this is not going to happen. It's just it's a little fantasy, you know, fan moment. How fucking cool would it be to see Conan with the Briscos?
0: Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. We're appealing appealing to gangsters all over the world in the state of Delaware (laughs) and in Mexico.
1: Could you imagine that?
0: I want to see the briscoes in a in in a
1: lowrider. Oh my god. Yeah, like just I mean you could just go the different dynamic of Conan out at the farm the chicken farm in delaware and then he's taking the briscoes to and then it ultimately just leads to lax first of Briscoes. i'm down for that <laughs> absolutely down for
0: that uh speaking of lax diamante making her uh nxt debut at this recent set of tapings always liked her uh let's talk about wrestle circus yeah i'm pumped for this man Wrestle Circus returns on June 23rd. It's going to be live on Twitch TV from Austin, Texas. And Huckleberry, I look at this show and like Wrestle Circus somehow always puts together these cards. And I'm just like, how in the hell do they get all of this talent? As I look at this card, this is going to be an awesome show live on Twitch.
1: Oh, very nice. Get it, very nice. Get me on Twitch. Okay.
0: Have, have you watched any Wrestle Circus at this point?
1: I, I've got, I, I haven't, I haven't sat down and actually watched an entire show, but I, I've done one of those like binge clips, you know, YouTube watching things.
0: Well, let's see if I can sell you on this show. Here's your main event. It's going to be for the Ringmasters Championship. It is going to be the defending champion, Scorpio Sky, taking on Tessa Blanchard. That's right. Your main event, Scorpio Sky, SCU, Shanghai, China, Uncensored, taking on Tessa Blanchard. Hell yeah, dude. Sign me up. That's going
1: to be freaking awesome. Hey, two hot names right here. It's going to be interesting to see how these two work together.
0: Desmond Xavier is going to take on JT Dunn, and they're both going to take on Jake Atlas. That'll be a fantastic match. Sideshow championship, it's going to be Gentleman Jervis, which is a crazy mass dude. He is going to be taking on Sammy Callahan. That'll surely be hardcore. NWA championship on the line. NWA national championship. Yeah, the national championship, excuse me. NWA national championship on the line. The red 10 pounds of gold holder of Cole Cabana. Is going to be taking on Colin Delaney. That surely will be a a heavy character influence match, and I'm sure it'll be good. Big Top Tag Team Championship. The Rascals defend in a triple threat match against the Rebel Twins and Private Party. Orange Cassidy versus Peter Avalon. This is the match I am the most excited about. It's no mistake. I have a big mark for championship wrestling from Hollywood. I love me some Peter Avalon, and he is going to be taking on the sloth orange cassidy huckleberry
1: what do you make of orange cassidy i got i haven't seen so much of him i know he's been he's been in the news here lately uh, a lot of people just upset up you know China was one of the things they were down on with AEW about but not as familiar with no, uh, him as most.
0: I, I think he's going to end up being the next generation of Joey Ryan if he keeps up with this gimmick. Aerostar is going to take on Daga versus Myron Reed versus Teddy Hart. That'll be a car accident. And then you have Will Alday and Alex Garcia taking on Anthony Green and Scarlet Bordeaux because why the hell not? Uh, dude this is going to be a really really fun show. I'm looking forward to it. Twitch.tv. Just look up at Wrestle Circus in the search bar. June 23rd, live on Twitch from
1: Austin, well, yeah, Texas. Hey, Scarlett's got to take as many bookings as possible so she can quit that 9 to 5 since Impact Wrestling will not pay her a livable wage.
0: What a ridiculous story, right? My
1: god. Let's, uh, let's but, but but all the other all the other, you know, these uh these great these great journalists They'll scream night and day about WWE having to unionize and treat people better with benefits. But but, but let's not make mention that Impact Wrestling can't even pay a motherfucker a livable wage.
0: Let's talk about NXT. That t- speaking of people that are getting raises, man, there, there's a lot of the NXT talent. Seems like they're going to be getting a raise here in the immediate future. It's just to stop people from going to
1: AEW. But I, you know, I heard, that, I heard that you make more money at the fryer at McDonald's than you do working for Impact Wrestling.
0: You know, that's probably a true story.
1: Uh, NXT and, and and you actually entertain. And service more individuals at lunch than you do, you know, for an entire taping.
0: Oh man, the fucking cocksuckers don't even get me started on McDonald's today, man. Those people. Oh, yeah,
1: I forgot. I forgot about that story off <laughs> there.
0: Those people. Uh NXT introducing their next crop of talent and what a crop of talent it is. It is such a good crop of talent, Huckleberry, that we are running a full-on tournament for the NXT breakout star. Of 2019 The winner of this tournament Is going to get to challenge For whatever title they want Inside of the NXT universe Here are the names inside of the tournament Round 1 matches Jordan Miles takes on Boa That's going to be ACH Taking on Yanbo Wang If you haven't seen Wang He is the the real big Chinese guy That they've got And then we've got ACH Who is probably the smallest guy Inside of the company Uh, Then we have I. Isaiah Scott formerly known as Shane Strickland he is going to be taking on Cameron Grimes otherwise known as Trevor Lee those are two guys that I hate the fact that they changed their names because I much prefer Shane Strickland and Trevor Lee
1: yeah I was gonna say and I know it's one of those things that people usually but I can't believe they changed their name what's going on with this here that sucks with in this in this sense yeah Isaiah Scott it doesn't have that same ring to it. I mean, Shane Strickland, it's not that he's that's because we're familiar with it. It just actually sounds better for an entertainer.
0: And they're still calling him Swerve. <laughs> like, so why did we change
1: Shane Strickland, but you're still going to call him Swerve? Like, well, it all comes down to. marketing and marketing and merchandising and copyrights
0: uh bronson reed is going to take on dexter loomis that's the former jonah rock taking on the former sam shaw and then we have angel garza formerly known as garza jr taking on joaquin Wild, formerly known as dj z um, or it also might be Mustafa Ali in costume.
1: Uh, Huckleberry I was going to say it's going to be interesting to see how they how they present DJ Z uh, since Ali essentially just lifted Straight stole his gimmick. Yeah. I mean, it was like he snuck into one of the, the locker rooms he was working and just stole his bag and showed up at a, a SmackDown taping and went with it.
0: Yep. Uh, th- this looks like a great freaking tournament, man. I can't call a winner just just looking at the names involved. I guess I kind of lean with whoever comes out of that Isaiah Scott versus Cameron Grimes matchup.
1: Shane Strickland versus Trevor Lee. Well, I, I, that's who I'd go with uh, if we, you know, if we had to place some money here. If we're if we're out in Vegas and we're throwing some throwing a couple bucks down on this thing, I would take the winner of that match. Uh, I will be rooting for the, the the former formerly known as Samuel Shaw. You know, especially since, you know, we got to see him at, at StarCast and the work that he has done. Even going back, I was a fan of his, you know, when I first really got turned on to him at TNA Wrestling, I thought, you know, great character work. Wasn't given a whole lot to work with, but but he made it work. And tremendous in the ring, an amazing look. And he's even evolved beyond it. And when we saw him at StarCast, he immediately popped out to both of us. We were like, damn, I said, that guy's WWE bound. They better sign him up. This guy has Star written on. We were hoping that the NWA would have capitalized a little more with him and, and pushed him there. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to shine here and doesn't kind of get lost in that shuffle with WWE.
0: Um, Out of this entire crop, who do you think has the highest
1: ceiling? You know, if if we're sitting here at corporate, we're looking at meetings. uh, Boa, uh, simply because they want that market. Yeah, that Chinese market, And, and he's got that size too. You know, you do. You have that look. Hopefully, he's able to to adapt and pick up sports entertainment and that'll work for him i still i don't know about the name Boa. i just would have went with big wang
0: i'm a fan of big wang no no <laughs> no, no that, that sounds like something big ray would say um the, my only thing with Yan Bo wang is he needs to put on some weight he's kind of got that nba thing going on where it's like dude eat a cheeseburger put on like 20 25 pounds and and then come back and talk to me he's a, he's a little uh
1: kind of like that yao ming kind of
0: yep that kind of build. Uh for me it's got to either be Shane Strickland or Trevor Lee. I think Shane Strickland has a better look. I think he's the better all-around package. But I could see Trevor Lee being one of those guys who is with the WWE for a very long time because he's just—he's so good in the ring that people think that he's boring, and people think that Trevor Lee sucks. And all he does is make every opponent that he is in the ring with look
1: fantastic. I I, I really worry about the look. Really worry about the look. He's going to need some kind of change in that sports entertainment thing. Vince is going to see that and be completely turned off. Uh, For each of those towns, though, to see overall success, uh, I hope they have an extended run in NXT as it tries to continue to stand as its own brand. And even when they move away from that brand, let's filter them through 205. I'd I'd hate to see either one, especially Strickland, get kind of stuck with that ricochet treatment right now.
0: Yep, because they... Great, great, great interchangeable.
1: Going to go out there and wow the audiences, but I mean, really, there's not a lot of difference between it. Like a lot of guys you see there, on on 205 and Ricochet. And Ricochet already now, he's gone out there, he hits their spots, he wows people, but they're they're not serious about him.
0: Yeah, Wednesday and, locker room, man. They keep saying Ricochet is fine, and I, I don't think Ricochet is fine.
1: I'm getting pretty worried
0: about Ricochet.
1: Well, I no, I that's that's his role. I mean, so we were talking about with EC3. I mean, he's at his ceiling right now.
0: Yeah, but I don't think Ricochet is even close to his ceiling. I think Ricochet is is has a higher prospect chance on the main roster than somebody like Johnny Gargano, just because of the offense style. I think Ricochet's, I think his ceiling is like Rey Mysterio level. If you treat Ricochet the right way, people are going to get behind Ricochet just because of the flurry of offense. They're not going to care that he can't cut promos. They just, they want to see the 6:30. They want to see Ricochet do all this crazy, insane stuff. People are going to get into Ricochet. It's just going to take the company getting into Ricochet.
1: Well, you make that comparison to Rey Mysterio, but we had years of investment in Rey Mysterio. We saw him come from you know come from the Lucha style of Mexico into ECW to WCW, worked all those years working his way up that card, wowing us in the cruiserweight division, and a little bit of you know a you know, disaster, absolute travesty falls into his lap as is success with the passing of Eddie. Yeah. You know, if if you have the if you never have the passing of Eddie, not taking away from Rey Mysterio's accomplishments in WWE, he probably doesn't have that opportunity there. That's a good point. You know, he's someone that's always going to be beloved. He's going to move merch. He's going to be great in your mid card. But yet you have that that devastation that creates that movement to to capitalize on moving Rey up there in honor of Eddie Guerrero. And I know that's kind of harsh to say, but it is a reality. They, they knew to capitalize on that. And when I look at someone like a Ricochet, great, he's got that moveset, but he's absolutely I, – and I know Strangler Steve over in the Wednesday locker room has put him over to give him a chance to show that personality. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen in a sports entertainment structure. In in that environment, he's one of those people that you can't make an actor. Ricochet I mean, doesn't has,
0: have a personality. He He is not – He's not a personable kind of person. That's always been the rip on Ricochet. That's why they put him under a hood in Lucha Underground and gave him Conan as a mouthpiece. Even at Lucha Underground, they recognize that.
1: Right. So he's not going to have that. I I don't think he's going to have the success that Finn Balor does right now because Finn does have those things. He's got the gimmick with the demon. You know, although they're they're whoring that thing out. Yeah, absolutely. I've run that thing through the ringer already, but it's still there. People are still attracted towards it. You know, the masses are. Uh, Ben actually has personality. If you let him talk, he's fine. At times, it might be a little hard to understand, but he can get his message across.
0: Please, God, turn Finn Balor heel. Please, God, turn Finn Balor heel. Miss our fallen prince. Uh, One more thing before we uh, wrap up today's show, Huckleberry. We've got a big match announcement for NXT. They're hyping this thing already. June 26th, it's going down inside a full sail. It's a steel cage match for the NXT Women's Championship. Shayna Baszler defends against EO Shirai. This thing is continuing through the Toronto tapings, and we're going to get a conclusion on June 26th. Huckleberry what do you think is is this going to be the end of the queen of spades or is eo going to be disappointed once again
1: What well, you talk about the most dangerous place to, to face Gina baszler inside a cage I are mean, you taking her back to her roots right uh, again everybody keeps asking when is the time when is it over when are we going to see the move i mean this would make sense As we're talking, she could drop it here and then show up for a program for the red or blue heading into SummerSlam. I'm going to maintain what I've been pushing. Let's keep on with the Becky Two Belt thing. Baszler liked liked hearing that. She likes the term Baszler Two belts. She hasn't forgotten what Becky did to her friend, Ronda. She shows up on Raw with the NXT Women's Championship. Title for title, Becky has never held that that championship. Something that has eluded her. Something, you know, that is eating her alive that the other you know, wrestling horsewomen have, have accomplished. They have on their resume. But Becky, who has always been, you know, the one that seemed left out, she's been like the little sister tagging along. That's kind of what's fueling this new persona of hers, the badass Becky Lynch. Let's have that program. We don't need the NXT Women's Championship at TakeOver. Let's bring the UK women over. Let them showcase themselves. It, it highlights that brand. Gets a little bit more exposure. People are going to love seeing Tony Storm anyway. I don't think anyone's going to bitch if they leave the, at the North American... NXT women off of that show and you bring over some of the ladies from from NXT UK to take that spot. No one's gonna complain. You have a great match at SummerSlam for the Raw Women's Championship that people are going to be invested in and they need something major in that women's division because it is floundering all over the place.
0: I absolutely support that because what's the other part of that equation, Huckleberry? What happens the following tapings inside a full sale? What's your what's your scenario for Shayna Baszler to drop the NXT Women's Championship?
1: I had another one. Oh, then K. Oh, then right immediately after that, Candice LeRae. I, I don't know where you tape it, how you make that work, but you present that. Or hey, you know how you know what would be great for it? You, you want to come out of SummerSlam with, with a major surprise, you know, make it like that night after WrestleMania? They have two belt Basler out there bragging in the ring. She's just been, you know, taken to the ultimate limits. Uh, beyond anything we thought she could ever handle, Becky took her to the limit. But Baszler once again was able to survive. She's out there bragging, hit the music on Raw. Wait, who is this from NXT? Candice LeRae? On Raw, she challenges for the NXT title. She takes she takes advantage of a beaten down dazer, captures that title, takes it back to the yellow brand. There we go. We got a solution. We have got steam. We've got excitement going forward for all the women.
0: And we also have dissension because we'll have Candace Champion and Johnny Failure. The shoe is now on the other foot. I absolutely support it.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that dynamic. Nothing worse than when when the, the wife becomes the breadwinner. You betcha.
0: I absolutely love that story. You know, I mean, talk about giving Champa just freaking the ammo to go shooting at Johnny with.
1: Oh, I, can you make just the subtle stuff, just the subtleties of it, where maybe he's sitting at home paying bills with his wife and they're divvying up, you know, like, oh, I got that one here, honey. Will you use my paycheck for this? <laughs> <laughs> or, or you're like, you know, you don't even have to work, honey, because I signed such a great deal when I was champion in NXT that you get to stay home with, with our lovely kid. You don't have to go hit the road. You don't have to surprise anyone at Monday Night Raw to win championships to carry this family.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit our friends over at the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Visit our friend Ryan K. Bowman as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Also make sure that you visit LastWordOnProWrestling.com for all of your daily pro wrestling needs. Find Huckleberry and I this Monday over in the locker room, HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Oh yeah, we've got G1 announcements. That's going to be going down this Monday inside of the locker room. So if you don't want to get up at 4.30 in the morning and watch the show, you can just download the show. We'll tell you exactly what's going on. Then make sure that you catch us Tuesday, twitch.tv backslash HittingTheMarks, all new edition of HTM Sports assuming that I can make it work on my computer after I reformat it. You can find me across all social media platforms at not Jargo until then,
1: Huckleberry, where do the people find you? As always, you can keep up with Rick Victory across all social media platforms at the real RBV. And, and I like to close with a, a little sweet sentiment, you know, Seth Rollins, he, he reached out. To, to the man Becky Lynch and let her know. And I, and I want to share that through sentiment with, with you, Jarko. I didn't know who I was until I found you. Aw. Uh,
0: I'd like to close with the sweet sentiment, too. We're off like a prom dress. Say up! Watch your fingers. Enable me. Don't give up. you your back on. Stripping the blame on me I smell self-righteousness That's the bad guy Go!
1: We try pin the blame on me. I
0: smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go! And I She was at home with me last night I'll be your bad (laughs) guy You know I We'll be your bad guy